We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you from Camp Silver Lake after I have... Listen, these these kids, man, they keep trying to have sex, do drugs, drink. You can't have it. Can't, absolutely cannot have that example uh, for the young the young children of society. Um, no, I am not Jason Voorhees. I, I am actually still John of the Macri. I'm going to take off this mask now because it is, it is you get really sweaty in these masks. Let me tell you, folks, um, the things parents do for their kids. Um, but I am going to introduce a couple of very, very special guests on uh, this very special Halloween episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. First, joining us all the way from. Is he from England? Is he from Wales? Is he from, I don't know, somewhere on the other side of the pond? Very talented musician, uh, very, very handsome man, um, a, a wonderful hair color. Uh, Ed Sheeran. Hello, Ed. How are you? I'm good. How's, yeah, as you can see, I have uh, my tattoos. They're in full effect. Um, but yes, he's from, he's from England. I believe he's from, I think I want to say Sussex. So that's, you know, lower. It's below London. Is that like Suffolk County? Uh, not quite. No, no, no. Definitely doesn't have a lot of similarities. Mm -mm, no, it's also it could be a little bit more posh. So, uh, uh Suffolk yes. County is not posh. Yes. Uh, no. okay. So, uh, Ed Sheeran, uh, thank you for for coming on uh the program. And and last but not least, our other special guest joining us from Tarrytown, White Plains. I don't know what ice, ice, Obi, <laughs> Obi, Obi. He gets good mad at OB too. Oh shit! Uh, Tom Thibodeau, Coach Tibbs, Tibbs, Mister Tibbs. I uh, I just hope you're ready for six hours of podcasting. We're we're gonna be going as many quarters as you need to to get the game correct. Uh, I'm just a laid back dude. <laughs> I feel like he's already smiled more this year than he did in the entirety of last season. Wouldn't you? 
I, <laughs> we're, as we're going to get into, yes. Uh, as we're going to get into, yes. I would I would be smiling now, uh, even if there are some things to not smile about, but not to spoil the rest of our episode. We're going to get into all that in a bit. So if you're not watching on um, YouTube, um, I bought a... a uh, so this is the commitment, again, that I made to this bit. $5 mask from CVS, folks. Went a long way. Um, and Jeremy uh, is, uh, of course... Uh, where'd you get those sleeves? Those look pretty convincing. Thank you. Yeah, they are. They're from Amazon, actually. Oh, that's great. They're, Very came nice. In a pack of six. These were the most Ed Sheeran tattoo like. So um, that's great. And uh, yeah, and I woke party. I went to. And I woke up like this. Of course you did, Tom. So uh, we have a very uh, fun and exciting and happy episode today uh, because, hey, the Knicks are in first place. The Knicks are in five and one are five and one. And uh, there's a lot of good things to talk about. There's some um, quibbles that we will have with the last week. We're going to go through it all. Um, and to do so, I'm very happy to announce we have two new segments on the show. So we always close with our predictions. We're adding uh, two more things. We are going to be giving out a game ball to some lucky recipient um, hint, hint, he's barely old enough to drink. Um, and, uh, we will also be giving out, unfortunately you can't give out a game ball without giving out a detention. So starting this week, Jeremy and I, every week will be giving a detention to someone who, um, deserves to be, um, made to sit and think about their actions. Is that a fair description, Andrew? That is that is fair. You'll be over there with Kevin at the end of the bench. That's not where you want to be. So, uh, yes, game ball um, and detention uh, coming up in a bit. Uh, but first, of course, we will talk about the week that was in Nixland. I think amongst people who uh, do things like record podcasts and write uh, words about the Knicks uh, and, and have and have tweets and tweet, um, I... I one 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 space I feel like I have occupied over the last year and a half or whatever year, whatever it's been, is like, let's be thankful for what we have. Because I remember when we didn't have anything uh, except poo on big, big plate, a lot of poo, uh, a lot of stinky, stinky poo. And um, it was not much fun during the majority of the last 20 years. And um and like, lo and behold, here, here we are in this team. We'll, we'll get into whatever quibbles we have with, with this or that. Um, and also some very good things which we're going to talk about. Um, but we could all, I think we're in agreement at this point. This is a good basketball team. Is it a great basketball team? Is it a very good basketball team? Is it this or that? Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we're, we'll get into that. But like, it's a good basketball team. And yet, even being able to sit here and say that um, I, there is a part of me that is, I, there's like an itch. There's like an itch that like, I, I, f- I feel like I should feel better about the way things are going. And I don't know if that explains anything at all, but I, I, I'm, I just wanted to put that out there. That's all. That's fair. And listen, it's the beginning of the season, right? So I think if we had asked ourselves after six games where we see the Knicks, probably wouldn't have seen as much of a drop off defensively, even though it's kind of on pace with where they were last year at yep. when the season ended. Um, but, you know, there, there are some bad habits. It's, um, it's not great sometimes, but um, just thinking out loud, I don't care. Because those are again that the record is. Five I knew that one. That's what matters to me. So we talked. I know. I know. But but that's the thing, right? You look at the the teams that the Knicks played. Uh, who did it start with? 
So uh, Philadelphia. We're, we're going from after the magic debacle. Right. Yes. Um, so that would be the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. Right. And did a masterful job defending Joel Embiid. Let Toby get his points. That's fine. Um, the fact that the Knicks have also had double digit leads in every single one of those games. But we're not in a second. The Bulls game, obviously, um, to me, it felt like fourth quarter was more of a death by a thousand paper cuts than it was this sort of offensive implosion. And of course, you have the Pelicans game, which, uh, again, like should have been better. Absolutely yes. should have been better. Let the Pelicans back in. And so it's kind of funny how the idea went from the Knicks don't have a closer. And I, I know you tweeted this and it was spot on to no, it's the Knicks can't make stops in the fourth quarter. And when yeah. you can't, when you're the worst team, defensively in the fourth quarter, then you're going to struggle. No, just there's no excuse to it. And until you clean that up, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. I, um, it's funny of all the things that I'm worried about the, as for as, as bad as the fourth quarter defense has been, that's actually not, that's not number one on the list. I, I, I feel like, I don't think they're like dogging it in the fourth quarter with one possible exception. Um, that we will get into a little bit later in the program. Uh, but I, you know, it's, it's, that's, that to me is the, it's early in the season. Teams don't have as long in training camp, not as long preseason anymore. If we look back at last season, they started off, they gave up, what was it, 122 points in the first game to the Indiana Pacers? Second game, I think they, they their defense wasn't much better against the Sixers. Um, so, you know, it, it, even a Tom Thibodeau team, it could take a little bit of time. I guess. I, the, the reason I, my, my, um, my unnervedness, not a word, but we're going to go with it comes from two places. Uh, one, uh, again, as we will get into in a bit, the, the game that I I hate that I have to start off with this, the game that Julius Randall had against the Pelicans was, was slightly, slightly unnerving, um, to the point that like, it's, you know, going back and like watching some of the clips of like how he like clearly it was not his night. And um, but I think it 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 got to him. And by and large, I th- I thought he he came into that game having a very good season. Uh, as you may know, I was I was a big defender of his after the Chicago game. I did not think he played nearly as bad as some made it out to be. Um, but I, I I didn't love his his response in New Orleans. And he's the leader of the team. And whatever they're going to do, whatever they're going to accomplish that season, I think he does need to be goes without saying a huge part of it. Um, and I, I, that's, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. And then the fourth quarter lead stuff is just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird and I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know that it says anything other than they haven't been able to close people out and maybe they'll get it figured out in the next couple of days. I, I hope they will. I think there's a good chance they will. Um, but those are the two things that are like kind of annoying at me. But again, w- talk about being spoiled. Like that's, that's, that's what we're complaining about right now. And we have, as we will get into also soon, a lot to be really happy about. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing is we, as Nick's fan, tips, right? He's kind of this perfectionist mindset. Uh, we talked about it before in terms of analyzing it. But it just feels like whenever a player has two bad games, it's like, okay, sticking on him. Um, and yeah. for me, like with Julius, I was curious about this, right? Because mm-hmm. usually when Julius is not scoring, so too is the offense. Yeah. Um, when Julius scores less than 20 points a game 
this season, the Knicks are three and O. When Julius scored less than 20 points a game last season, do you want to know what the record was? Uh, let me wager a guess. Can I at least know how many? I'm going to guess he did it. Uh, he scored under 20 about 15 times. Uh, it was 21 times in the regular season. 21 times he scored under 20 in the regular season. All right. Mm-hmm. So their record was five and 16, eight and 13. Okay. So I was a little, I was a little, okay. Yeah. It's not too good. And they were one and two in the playoffs. But again, that to me just goes to say that even when he's not on top of his game, there are, there's better talent around him to elevate it. So it's not yes. the situation with Julius. So yes, is he supposed to pick the team up? Of course, but that's the beauty of this Knicks team, right? That's why we talk about, okay, you have Julius, you have RJ, you have Fournier, you have Kemba Walker, you have Derek Rose, like you have guys who can pick your team up. Not everyone's necessarily going to play their best game the same night. And I don't know, it just, it feels like there's becoming this habit and again, I'm not saying Alfred was a crutch. Like he was just legitimately bad. And that's why we talked about him as much as we did last season. Yes. But now it's a sort of thing where it feels like there's almost a grasping of, okay, which player did not perform well, well as opposed to the mindset of like, hey, the team yes. is still functioning at a high level. 100%. Did they almost choke away games? Yes. But like for Chicago, 45 minutes, almost 45 minutes of that, that game. The next- 45 minutes of the best basketball they've played all, all year. And then right. it was just again, three bad minutes. And listen, I've talked about Chicago and that they're overrated. They're still a good team, even yes. without Patrick Williams. It, um, they just gave uh, Utah their first loss in, in a game that Utah was was. Um, they didn't have Mike Connolly, but otherwise, you know, we're healthy. So, right. So if that's what we're kind of going off, like you're beating good teams, and you basically have one blemish on your record thus far, that's okay by me. And, and the blemish doesn't even bother me in retrospect because it was like they came out. They didn't really respect the opponent. The opponent um, had a couple of guys who came out and had unbelievable, you know, segments of the game and and whatever. The Knicks were the Knicks were cold shooting. And I just want to be very clear about something because I I don't want people to actually people call me a hypocrite. I probably am, um, but I don't want people to call me a hypocrite in this one sense. Um, I don't mind in the least that Randall is struggling shooting the ball. That's not what I care about at all. And we're again, we're I think we're getting ahead of ourselves with with one of our segments later. But I just I do want to make very clear what I'm what I'm concerned about with Randall after the Pelicans game was some of the the clips where you saw him visibly um, frustrated. Um, you know where where he didn't get the ball. There's there's one in particular I'm thinking of, and then just like the defense, which has been by the way outstanding outstanding over the course of the year um we saw the first signs of the stuff that we saw occasionally in the first year when randall was here which is that i think he would let his frustrations on one end get now am i making absolutely way too much of this these couple of segments of this one game absolutely and that speaks to the exact phenomenon that you're talking about because we need to have something to to be worried about right so this is the thing to be worried about mm-hmm. um i i guess um, the reason I'm letting it seep in a little bit is because is for, because the thing that I am happiest about, happier than the five and one record, happier than what is now the number two offense in the league, happier about first place in the East, happier than all those things, is the Knicks seem over the course of the first two weeks of the season to have become the shining example of culture now in the NBA. It is gumdrops and candy canes and lollipops and rainbows. And it's just it, it every champagne waterfalls, the whole thing, um, beautiful stuff. 
And I don't want that to be threatened in the slightest. And Julius is the Julius is the heart of the team. And I, I guess this is a long-winded way of saying I want Julius to be happy. I don't care if he's struggling. I just want him to be like a happy camper. Um, and maybe that's a little silly of me that like that's the thing that I'm worried about. But if again, if I'm just being honest, like that's why I am on here. And I'm I'm there's a little part of me that's like, eh, the the fourth quarter stuff I think is gonna be they'll be fine. That I'm not really worried about long term. I hear you with Julius. Look, I mean, his body language at times was um, not ideal during that Pelicans game, especially like there would be times where he might turn the ball over. And instead of getting back on D, he pauses for a moment and then collects himself. Again. Look, I, I don't know if it's just one thing. Uh, some have said, oh, well, he's a recent, you know, he's has a newborn and maybe he's not <laughs> sleeping. Uh, listen, whatever it is, it, it doesn't. I saw that. I saw that. But I think, but you're saying, you know, in terms of Julius being happy, I'm sure that if you asked him, the first thing he would say is we're winning. And yes, he would. That's really what he cares about. Yeah. And other players are performing. And that's the thing, like with the Chicago game, we can talk about how he didn't play well, but I would rather just talk about the fact that Lonzo Ball and Alex Crusoe did a great job defending him when they had to. 100%. Um, they did. So it's like, you don't, you don't necessarily have to throw dirt on someone. You can also praise why they were not able to succeed, but even still Randall was able to contribute. Like, there are sometimes IQ plays that don't make the most sense. And yet he still found a way to facilitate beautifully. So even though he was taken out of the game as maybe a first option, he still was passing and finding the making the right plays to put the team in a position of success. It was just, and if, again, a few people have pointed that, that out as well. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's, and that, that's dead on. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can't argue with it. I can't be yeah. upset by it. No, I, I, I guess I, I shouldn't be either. Um, and yeah, five and one is five and one. And uh, the, the Sixers are a good team. As you said, the Bulls are a good team. Uh, the Pelicans are not a good team. Um, but the, again, it, similar to the Magic game in that it was a weird game. And maybe this team is one of their problems they're going to have to deal with this year, which I don't really think they had to deal with last year, is playing down to their opponents. Um, which again, if that's... If that's the worst thing that you have to deal with as an NBA team, you know what? Things are things are probably pretty good um, because that means by definition you are you are good. And and here's the best the best thing I could say about them as a team before we get to um, someone that we are, are going to sing a lot of praises for. Um, I have a lot of people coming into the season who we uh, may or may not have uh, chided that picked the Knicks to, to have a drop off despite the fact that they had an increase in talent. I think the general consensus was like, yeah, well they can't do that again because so much had to break. Right. And I think what those people were referring to was like the Knicks finding a way to win games that like more games than the normal team finds a way to win in terms of like typical situations. And here we are, has it been pretty? Not always. Has it been perfect? Absolutely not. But they have found a way to win these games that other teams would have perhaps found a way to lose. And that the Knicks, God knows, in years past, would have found a way to lose. And they probably would have found a way to lose all of the games. And these Knicks have found a way to win all of the games. And um, last thing I want to say is just I my, my fault for doing it kind of just glossing over the fact that they do have the second ranked offense in basketball. I mean, my Lord, I know it's six games. I get it. It's six games. 
not a big sample size, but coming off of being the 24th ranked offense, that is, I mean, I don't know. I, that's, that's miraculous. Like good, good job. Kudos to them. Good job by them. Yeah. And you know, we'll see, as you're saying, it's six games worth of a sample size, but they're still seventh in net rating. So even if yeah. that defense feels negative, you are also now ahead of where you were last season when yep. you ended it because the Knicks finished with the ninth best net rating. So if you then think, okay, well, they'll clean up the defense. And this is, again, another reason why I have zero qualms with the fact that Tibbs played starters heavily in those first four preseason games, because it feels like they are now slightly ahead of the curve compared to where they were. Because right now, right, we're talking about how a few things broke the right way and the Knicks won and all this. Like, great. What happens if the Knicks don't do that? And there's less time that they have to develop chemistry. Mm -hmm. uh, if they lose that Celtics game, what does that say? The Pelicans game, it felt like a roller coaster. And yet the Pelicans never had the lead at any single point in the game. So, yeah, know, it's, it's that's true. That's the thing. Like they're winning. And that's why I, it seems like a ridiculous thing for me to keep going back to it. But no, it's not no. ridiculous because it's but, the thing that matters most. Right. And, and listen, <laughs> Tibbs knows that there are things that need to get patched up. Right. Yeah. It's just a matter of how they're going to do that. But, oh. I, I think this is this opening of the season has been Tibbs wet dream because what he's what he likes to say is you either you win or you learn. I think he gets to have his cake and eat it, too, because he gets to go back into the locker room and the film sessions with these games and being like, you guys may have won that. You didn't deserve to win it. Not with how you played um, and point to some very specific things, because I mean, the reason they've they've won a lot of these games is just the, the shooting has been so, so goddamn good um, and the shots are going down. And that's I guess. It's funny enough that the, among the things I'm not really worried about, I'm not worried about there being a shooting drop off. Not with these guys. Not with. I mean, is Kemba Walker going to hit fifty eight percent of his threes all year? Probably not. Um, but I think he's. I think he's going to hit a lot of them. I. I think Fournier is going to keep hitting shots. And um, well, let's might as well transition to uh, giving out our our game ball a week. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash film school today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash film school to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today. Um, I think there is a, a young man um, who... May have, I think he I think he had a decent game in New Orleans. I don't know. I, 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 that's what the, the Twitter sphere seems to be telling me. Um, I think he's going to shoot it pretty well also. Um, and that is, of course, R.J. Barrett. Uh, I, I, I need a moment to compose myself before I speak about that game. So I'm going to actually turn it over to you. Um, or I, I, I shouldn't do that. Who is your game ball going to this week? Because maybe you're not going to give it to R.J. Barrett. Maybe you're going to get to someone else. I mean, it's going to RJ. How could it not? How, like, really? Kemba's is making a lot of threes, man. The fifty-eight percent is no joke. That's a great story. That a lot of these players, you know, they're playing like the A team, but you can't stop the rain. And here we have RJ Barrett, or you know, some people call him Star RJ Barrett. I think also R Jail Barrett could potentially work. There's, I, I there's don't something don't going on there. No, if the, it's not it the best. Quite comes off the. That's why you dunk. speak it. You don't actually tweet it. Um, no, it has to be RJ. Think about it, like. What player would you trust right now defensively and often just, just in this one week span um, to showcasing what he did? I mean, I think one of my favorite things was the fact that he was saying with the DeMar shot, how he had watched him yeah. in Toronto and he knew it. And when you rewatch that play, just how he switches and, and Fred Katz did a great job illustrating this in the athletic, but how he switches off of Levine and then doesn't uh, bite on the pump fake. And then Mitch also, when he's guarding Vooch in the corner, kind of shades or over a little bit, puts his mm -hmm. arm up and he's with him the whole way. And Zach Levine's arms are stretched out like it's, it's in, it's over. Nick Young, swaggy P, ball's going in. It doesn't. It's an air ball. Um, Lonzo ball flops to the floor to try to draw something. Nick's win. And then the next night, career high in points, was efficient, was effective. The fact that, again... Six games, we all know the small sample sizes, but something to watch is just how incredible he is around the rim. Because if you can finish like that, and especially if you're finishing with your right hand, if you're crafty, he just needs to get the calls as well, and his points per game will skyrocket a little bit more. Um, well, I guess that's kind of an oxymoron, but they'll, they'll increase. Uh, or redundant, what, what would you say? If it skyrockets a little bit, it's, it doesn't really make uh, any sense. 
Regardless. I, I, let's just go with it. Yeah. I mean, that that's the sort of thing where it's why with all of these younger players putting ceilings on them, you know, it doesn't have to be unrealistic, but it can be hard to do because right now, if you're seeing this from RJ Barrett at 21 years old and you see the names that are up there with him, right? Like there are there are criteria that have guys like LeBron and Luca and yep. all these other players who are significant stars. And it doesn't mean that RJ is going to get there, but when you think of someone who can play that level of defense, who can take over offensively when the Knicks absolutely need it, who can take these pull-up step-back threes, um, who's finishing, like that level of two-way talent at 21 years old and that motivation, the sky is the limit. And so that's the thing when I see things like with Tyler Hero and other players, it's ridiculous to me because- well. You got RJ who's starting and doing all this. And as yep. we talked about last week, right? Tyler Harrow, 30 points, 28 shots in that one game. Like that's just a high usage player. And that's not going to be RJ every night, what he did in New Orleans. But that is, um, that is the proof that shows like it's games like these for a 21 year old and what he can accomplish. And if that's not the type of breakout performance that you want to see, I, I really don't know what else he could have done. So um, I've, very well said. I, I've I've spoken about this a little bit in the past. The the reason I fully believe this that RJ does not get grouped in with all these other guys, all these other young players in the league, is because like a Tyler Hero, every young player has bad games and struggles, has stretches where they don't look good. But most of the young players in the league, over the course of their early careers, when they have their good moments, the good moments are flashy. The good moments look the part of a guy who's going to be, you know, the, the, the sports center highlights and the whole thing. RJ's good moments have for me personally, and, and not everybody will agree with this, but I'm just, this is how I feel have been more workmanlike. They have been more lunch pail moments. They have been more, you know, by brute force. Um, and last year they included a lot of spot up threes, which is, which is great. But like it's, it, that's uh you know, it doesn't get the attention that you're, you're off the dribble stuff. Get. And, and listen with good reason, because if you could create off the dribble behind the three point line, that, that is a very certain skill. What was great about this game is we saw some off the dribble threes. And um, in terms of playmaking, which is to me, the, the greatest untapped potential part of RJ's game. Um, every one of his six assists were like, he earned like some assists are like cheap assists. No, every one of them. It was, it was five really, really nice passes to centers. I think it was three to Mitch, two to Taj, and then a kick out to, to Kemba on the three point line um, in the corner. All of them were like spoke to me of a, of a playmaking wing that there just aren't a lot of those guys. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, you mentioned the finishing. So his first two years, he finished at the rim 54% as a rookie and 55% last year. Those were both in the bottom quarter of the league. Uh, again, it's early. Uh, 74% around the rim, which is in the 73rd percentile for wings in the league. Um, and then if we just want to expand a little bit more, points per shot attempt. You want to talk about trajectory. Rookie year, 95.9 points per 100 shot attempts. That is in the 12th percentile last year 106.7 in the 39th percentile this year 119.8 75th percentile um it's i i it's coming um it's coming and i think we're, we're starting to to see it um i i, I guess 
what do we expect from like, he's not going to go out and do that every game, but especially since, by the way, his usage rate is the lowest of his career. His usage rate this year is 20. It's been over 23 the, the last two years. So I, I, I wonder like, I'm sure he's going to still have games where he scores in single digits. And like, he focuses more on the defensive end. Somebody else has it going this, that, and the other thing. And that's okay. Um, I'm just, um, to me, this was just a huge step. And he, he did all the, he made all the plays and did all the things that we've been wanting to see from him um, over, over the last couple of years. And he did them all in one game. So. And he doesn't have to do it every game. That's the other no, beauty of it. It's just like not on this team. There are players who can pick you up. And again, it's like you have to count on four guys in the starting lineup offensively to have some of their worst games for you to be really out of it. And we're, I mean, we're not talking about superstar stuff from especially from Walker or, or Fournier, but as you're saying, the three point percentage that he has and considering the shot diet that the Knicks have, how many threes they are taking and how many they're making again, like that's, that's just RJ can, can step up like, all right, I'm needed. I delivered. Same thing with other guys. And I think the other thing too is, you know, again, if you talk about being beginning of the season and trying not to take too much into consideration with things like Emmanuel quickly, he's been struggling, but just kind of to go back very quickly with no pun intended with what we were talking about earlier. Cause it, it kind of came up uh, as I was just thinking aloud about it. Like what are these, what are these late game? I don't want to call them collapses because no, collapse implies a loss. Yeah. Right. Um, skirmish, no, skirmishes wouldn't be right either. Just uh, kerfuffles, kerfuffles, mishaps. Sure. Yes. We'll do, we'll, we'll do mishaps. Like if you get more offense from, from him, from Alec Burks, um, anything, then it kind of sets everything up. But regardless, that's not happening. But back to RJ, when other players aren't contributing again, that's what RJ was able to do. And who knows? Maybe against the Raptors, RJ doesn't have his best game. But then maybe Julius Randle does. Maybe, maybe Evan Fournier does. That's what's fun about it. That is what's fun about it. And it just it's occurring to me, like, it's interesting. This team has... Maybe we won't throw RJ into this category, although it's actually I think after after the last game, we kind of have to. Um, I was going to say five, four or five, if you want to count RJ, it's five players who in the last like at some point in the last couple of years have been the best player on their team. Kemba Walker was the best player on his team, or I guess the last three years. Kemba Walker was the best player on his team in Charlotte. Derek Rose, um, I think, was the best player on the Knicks in the playoffs last year and like has had experience. Certainly he was the best player on his team in Detroit. Um, I don't care that he didn't start. Um, Julius Randle, best, best player on, on the Knicks last year, RJ, and then Fournier. Um, and you want to give me Vucevic? Well, I don't know. Fournier was the, he was the perimeter creator. He was, he was the guy when they needed a shot late. I feel like they'd go to a lot to have all that on one team. If guys aren't being selfish and I don't think there's a lot of selfishness so far. Um, that's, that's a nice luxury to have. And I feel like that can, that that's going to be a good thing. And maybe, yes, it does create a bit of a, um, a more, a steeper uh, learning curve. Um, and maybe that's some of the issues that we've been seeing, but by and large, I think it is going to be an absolute boon for their ceiling as the year goes on. And as they figure out more and more how to, how to play with each other. Yeah. I think also the pull-up ability and the creation that we've seen, from really four guys in the starting lineup. And yep. you know, you could talk about the second unit too. Like as I was watching the Bulls game, I was thinking about how 
Lonzo's defense has been fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. He's great on the catch and shoot three. His pull-up game is terrible. And it's kind of like when it really matters later in the season, getting towards the playoffs, like you're going to be frozen out a little bit and you need to be able to make plays and you need to be able to pull up and things are going to get tighter. And what are you going to do when, if you're in like Lonzo Ball's position and now all of a sudden, okay, you're relying on Zach Levine and we know DeMar DeRozan, not exactly a consistent playoff performer. I'm not saying this to, to flame the Bulls so much as kind of comparing it to what the Knicks have been doing. You're flaming that, the Bulls. Sure. If, it, if that's uh, the shot that, you know, collateral damage, I guess, then that, that's fine, whatever. Uh, the shrapnel coming out. But for the Knicks, the ability to then kind of say, well, we can, we can create here. We, we're not able to do this. Okay, we can, we can shift in another direction. And I think that was the other thing that was, to me, just very important about that one game. It's one game, but the DNA of how this team is constructed in terms of players who can contribute. Yeah. With everything going on with Chicago. It's yeah. You know, it, it really, it does make you think. And I don't think that, look, I'm not going to sit here and and say, I think they're going to be like a one or a two seed. Because I don't believe that. Not in my, in my heart. I do not believe that is going to be the case. At the same time, I'm, I'm just actively wondering, like, where is the game that this team can't win? Like, who, who is that game against? Where is the team that is so good that the Knicks just really, like, can't hang with them? Um, if, if both teams play up to you know, some, some modicum of normal expectations. And I guess that's what I'm having trouble with because again, I know whatever they're 15th or 16th in defense. I still believe that this team has it in them to be a, not a good defensive team, to be a great defensive team. And one guy, interestingly enough, I don't know that we've even mentioned his name once um, is Mitchell Robinson. I know he did not have his, his best outing uh, in new Orleans against Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas makes a lot of guys not have their best outing. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not, trying to pile on Mitch for that. He has, he has been nothing short of outstanding this season. Um, and if this is what Mitch is going to be on defense, and this is what RJ is going to be on defense, which I think we feel pretty good about. And like everybody else is just locked in. I think we've, I've, I, I've been impressed by Fournier's defense for the most part. I think Kemba's kind of picked it up a little bit. Julius, like I referenced earlier, he's played his ass off for most of the season. Um, you know, what the I think the defense could be there, and then on offense, like if you can shoot it like this, um, I guess what's the missing the missing piece is like that that one guard who could kind of get to the rim at will, like your Donovan Mitchells and your Jamal Murray's and your Steph. Well, Steph shoots it more than gets to the rim at this point in his career, but you know. Um, and then you remember they got a former P, uh, former MVP on the bench who's who's pretty good. And um, they could they could break that glass in case of emergency when they need to. I don't know, man. Um, I, I it's easy to it's easy to have notions about the things that the team could do, and um, maybe that's famous last words. And they go out and they blow games to Toronto and, and uh, Indiana this week and whatever. But I, I just the ceiling is there. I think that that much again of all the things that we're excited about over these first couple of weeks, I think that has to be near the top of the list. There are a lot of what ifs. I totally agree. But, but that's the thing. It's, they don't feel like crazy what ifs to me, right? Because the thing with Kemba, it's pretty much health. Yeah. If that's 
the biggest thing here. And, and he's saying, I feel great. And I figure out a way to kind of get past that and rest. And I feel like I can do whatever, manage that accordingly. He, he's knock on wood, seemed fine so far. Um, if again, the problem is Julius in the playoffs. Well, he's another year older, another year wiser. I'm sure he looked at what he was doing wrong, figured out how he can improve. Yep. The Knicks bench was depleted. If you can still have a positive bench with that second unit, then things are moving. So I, I'm with you. It's kind of like, you don't want to drink the Kool-Aid so much because there are other good teams, but why can't the Knicks hang around with any of these teams? Like, even if Milwaukee is as good as they are, even if they have this championship hangover. And they've been what hurt, is, we should what say. What is the issue here? They have, yes. Yeah. Look, if we're talking about a playoff series, and that's a long ways away from now. We've got plenty of time. But <laughs> in a regular season matchup, yeah. why can't it? Especially, here's the other thing. If we're talking about the Knicks and how they play down to inferior opponents, if they see the best teams in the league as <laughs> better than the playoffs. or on equal footing, <laughs> right? They're not going to play down to them. So, no, so that's something yet to, yeah. to consider when they do that's play uh, Milwaukee coming up or any of well, these other uh, teams yeah. that are, are legitimately good. Yeah, um, it, it's a great point. Um, okay, uh, let's. We don't have to spend too long on this next section. So this is our this is our detention section. Um, somebody that we think needs to be locked in a lock, <laughs> Andrew. Do they have to be locked in a room by themselves for for that seems harsh and what potentially kind of de- what kind of detentions do you give out, John? The room isn't locked. It's like you can get it's you not can go solitary to, confinement, you, is it? Yeah, it, it's you could go pee. No, the magic is in the work. You got to stay in there for all four quarters. <laughs> that was good. Thank that you. was good. <laughs> um. I get you. I get you. We're, we're like people who write about the NBA and, and in some cases, podcasts about the NBA are in, are in some business. You want people to read your shit. And the more people tweet about your shit, um, rather, whether they treat about it, tweet about it because they love it or they think it's the worst piece of shit in the world. It gets other people to read it. Um, but like the stuff that was said and, and not said about RJ Barrett in the, in the off season was just like, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? These, these are the people. Actually, you know what? I, I stand corrected. These are the people that do need to be locked in the room. Close all the, close all the shades. Um, you could give them an empty soda can. So if you want to pee or defecate, that's your, that's your outlet. And you have to deal with that. Can we do it for 24 hours? I think we could do it for 24 hours. I think it could also be longer because honestly, the, the fact that they will have to live with people quote tweeting their tweets and saying update for <laughs> oh infinity <boy>. is, is <laughs> punishment enough. So uh, lock them in a room for it's, lock them in that room for 24 hours and then see how they get back into society. They want to go like, back in squid game style. You should have to get past RJ Barrett in order to get out of said room. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah. I, you know, but you know what it is? It's just like what, what bothers me about it is like people who cover the league are, are really smart. Um, like, I don't believe you could get to the point where like a lot of people read you or listen to or whatever. And like, it didn't take a lot of effort to, um, cause I get why I like the art, the argument to do it is his effective field goal percentage was below 50 last year. So like a lot of volume. That's why he, maybe if you want to say that's why he ended up with the counting stats. Like if that is the, if that is the argument and it's not a strong argument, but if that's the argument you want it to rest on, you need to go the extra step. And show 
that if you take away the first, I always forget if it was 10 or 11, whatever that first segment of the season was where after the Indiana game, he went cold for basically three weeks. If you just take that away and you look at his shooting numbers for the rest of the season, you'd be like, oh, he's on, he's on pace to like take another leap in year three. Like it doesn't take a lot to do that. All right. I'm not doing that because I root for this team. I'm doing that because it's like, you just look, you could look at a game log and see like, Oh, these don't really belong with the other, with everything that comes after it. And the fact that people didn't do that. Um, and then pay attention to like the improvements that can't be quantified in numbers like the defense. Um, and then, you know, second best player on a four seed, like, come on. Like what? It's it, it was uh, it was frustrating in the moment, but uh, I hope all those folks get their comeuppance in detention. So that's that's what I'm that's what I'm going to give my detention to. So, John, here's my detention. Um, yes, I'm with you. I, I think if we're going to go in the vein of people who are criticizing others, um, I'm going to look at it, Twitter is a weird vacuum, right? It always feels like someone like should vacuum up Twitter. Exactly. Right. Like uh, I had tweeted about David Griffin passing on. RJ Barrett, which is just a factual statement. And then people one of your responding, five tweets ever, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you. Fantastic um, tweet. I appreciate that. But people responding being like, so does this mean you wouldn't have taken Zion at the first, you know, with the first pick? Because clearly it's like, no, I'm just stating a, an actual fact. Like he didn't, he didn't take it regardless with, with Twitter, everything going on with the Patrick Williams injury um, drive me nuts. I'm sorry. Is that a thing? Yes. Oh, yeah. Let me enlighten you on, on what happened. So um, there was blame associated because when Mitchell Robinson yes. blocked Patrick Williams, Williams fell to the ground I, and hurt his wrist. And now he's out for the season. So Bulls yeah. fans, no, which is not, which again, sucks, by the way, Let's just, say very, very, it, like I like Patrick Williams a lot. I liked him yeah. before he even entered the league. Um, it's, it's terrible for him. And that's I, unfortunate. But that's I, I has nothing to do with what I have a feeling you're about to tell me is going on. <laughs> yes. Well, again, and you're right. I think seeing any young player, any player period getting hurt, but especially one who's in his second year. Um, yeah. And for a team that's, that is doing well, it's a shame that he's going to be out for the season. But so, you know, Patrick Williams drives the baseline um, kind of cocks back and then gets blocked and they call a flagrant one and he falls to the ground. Um, the reason that the refs called it a flagrant one was because they deemed that there was not unnecessary contact. Uh, and this is what the definition is with the NBA official. It's uh, flagrant foul penalty one, unnecessary contact committed by a player against an opponent. So again, they're saying that this was unnecessary. However, they're not saying it's excessive, which is what the flagrant, flagrant two, two is for. My problem is that you can kind of clip the Patrick Williams injury how you want. When Mitch starts, based on the camera angle we have, he's very close to blocking the ball, or at least he's making a play at the ball. And then the image being showed is of the fact that it's not, that Mitch's arm is further away. Yeah. And it looks like it's this you know, offensive thing. And Mitch himself saying, I've been hurt. Why would I want to injure another player? And this idea of looking at that and then overlooking the fact that DeMar DeRozan grabbed onto RJ Barrett's leg, which could that's seriously a, hurt him. That's a dangerous play. And it's like, exactly. That's, that's the thing, but they, they deemed it a flagrant one. They didn't say it was a flagrant two. So again, if we're kind of looking at those as somewhat equal footing, then that's the thing. It's, it's that it's also seeing like when I went on Twitter just now, a moment ago to find this tweet, the first tweet I saw was from a Knicks fan quote, tweeting a heat fan. 
who was talking about RJ Barrett versus Tyler Hero and comparing the st- it's this whole thing where fans are just going crazy with small sample sizes and in general and so you know I'm 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 sure Knicks fans we do the same thing but here's the other thing right we have for so many years our fan base uh, and this team been the proverbial punching bag because of how bad this team has been and people just can't accept how good the Knicks can be. Uh, and it's like, I even saw something where it was like, you know, okay, it's just five or six games for the Knicks. But then someone said, well, if the Knicks were, Oh, and whatever, then you'd probably laugh at them. And the person even said yeah. like, yeah, I would have. So look, I, I'll just, I'll throw all the, the non-believers, all the conspiracy theorists, everyone into detention because I can't throw a Nick into detention when they've just won three games in a row and five of their first six. Like I physically cannot do it, John. It would not be fair. We can criticize and critique. Like yeah. we talked about Randall, but I'm not throwing Randall to detention. Not when he's still able to impact the game on defense and on offense when he's just not shooting. Um, and again, would like to see more effort, but it, maybe is that detention worthy? I think it's m- maybe more of a no, demerit. It's, it's worthy of a talking to. Right. It's worthy exactly. of, of a talking to. That's what right. it is. So sit down. Yeah. Guide, right. so, guide, you know, guide the young man. Exactly. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to flame some of the other people because uh, we deserve it. We deserve to enjoy our moment in the sun, however brief it is. And if it keeps going, then we'll keep going too. Um, good good detention. I can't. I, I'm I'm literally stunned that people are are making something out of a play that like I'll be honest. I, I should it have been called a flagrant. Yeah, probably. Like in the moment though, like I didn't think anything of it. He went up for a block and. It's like, that's going to be a flagrant in, in today's NBA. That's fine. Like the, the notion that Mitchell Robinson has a malicious bone in his body is like obscene um, to me because he doesn't. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, good transition to we'll see if it keeps going because uh, we now get to our predictions segment of the podcast in which Jeremy and I will each make predictions about the week ahead. And we have four, count them, four games on the slate. Um, I have to say, sitting here last week when we re-recorded the pod, the, the beginning of the pod, uh, after the magic loss, following you earlier in the day, predicting three and one and me predicting two and two, I was feeling pretty good, my friend. Feeling pretty, pretty good. Ordered the steak that night, did I not? Um, but alas, went to you. 
because they won all three games. And I'm very happy to be wrong. Uh, no one has ever been happier to be wrong about anything than me uh, being wrong about that because they went three and one. So um, the week's games ahead, we should say, are um, Toronto at home on Monday, at Indiana on Wednesday, at Milwaukee ESPN game on Friday, and then uh, back home to face the Cavaliers of Cleveland. Uh, that looks like it is a 6 p.m. start. Um, so, Jeremy? To the victor goes the right to be the victor again. That is true. Um, my heart says three and one, but my head says two and two. And again, I think it could easily be three and one. Um, as we just talked wow. about with these teams in terms of how you could how you can get at them, um, what the ceiling of this team could be. I could easily see it being three and one. And if it is, as I imagine you will scoop that up, then I will congratulate you and we'll be even, but just based on the slate of games, you know, Toronto is a tougher opponent certainly than they were last year. And defensively they're, they're net rating. They're actually right behind the Knicks. They're eighth at as this moment. Um, they switched quite a bit, a lot of length there. Indiana's down on their luck. They've lost a lot of games, but you never know. Again, if we're talking about playing down to opponents, who knows? You go to Milwaukee, that could be tough. They're the reigning champs. And then you've got Cleveland, who, I mean, on paper, seems like an easy win. But Mobley has, and Allen, too, they've been so good defensively that uh, it's just going to be a fun matchup regardless. So I think they win two of them. Make the other two, they drop. Um, two and two would not be a disaster by any stretch. Um, it would be fine because if they went two and two, then they would be. Uh, do some quick math here. Seven and three after their first 10 games and seven and three would not be a bad outcome. I think um, I, I keep circling that the first 16 games is for whatever reason, that first 16 games is like a sample size I'm going to be looking at. So if they did indeed go seven and three in the first 10 games, um, they could go four and two over the next six, and that would get them to 11 and five. They were 11 and five after the first 16 games. I think that is, that's, that's pretty darn good. Um, I am obviously going to take three and one. Uh, I, I very much want them to go into that Milwaukee game, riding a five game winning streak. That would be really cool to, because that then, because the game's already on ESPN. Um, and the game would then, I think, get a fair bit of attention. Um, we don't know. Drew Holiday's been out. Brook Lopez has been out. Uh, DiVincenzo will be out for this game because he's, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon, but the other two guys may be back. Um, you know, I, I, I would love to see it. So I'll happily take three and one. Um, I feel very good about it. And uh, yeah, we'll see if I get to go first next week. But uh all in all, I, I think I I, th I feel I, I do feel really good about where things are at. And it's just it's weird because like, yeah, there's some other things that we could we could quibble with. Like you mentioned Manuel Quickly's name. Um, Alec Burks has had some not great moments. Um, the defense we, we haven't really talked too much about, um, which it, it has had its fair share of breakdowns. Um, but by and large, this does seem to be a team with a high ceiling, with a fairly high floor, um, and they seem to like playing basketball with each other, and they seem to like playing basketball in this city for this coach. Uh, and I, 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 th I think 
I feel like we'll, we'll be able to, I'm, I'm not willing to make any proclamations right now. Uh, you know, other than like what their ceiling could be this next week, I feel like is going to tell us a lot. Uh, do you feel the same or do or, or am I by myself on that one? No, it, it's certainly indicative of, especially considering the Milwaukee game and depending on what they're able to do. But again, for me, it's kind of like until you get to that 10 to 15 game mark, a lot yeah. of it is just randomness. Um, and that tells yeah. a little bit more of a story, which is why I, I'm trying not to get too into the numbers. I know I've certainly said a few of them today, but it's the sort of thing where they, they tell a story at a certain point and just don't know how much they add you know, up until that or how much they hold up. Like the shooting I buy, right? Like I can tell you that I think the Knicks are going to finish top three at worst in shooting three points for in, in shooting three is a game. Um, like those are the types of things you can probably analyze, but net ratings like defensively, um, no. maybe how players are finishing, how they're shooting. That is all so varied that it's hard to really dive into it and, and sink your teeth into it. So, but, but, you know, I mean, yeah, if we're looking at these four games, talking about at least one to two of those teams that are playing down in that sense, one where you're certainly playing up, but they're maybe depleted. Uh, and then one team that is still kind of more middle of the pack in Toronto where they can surprise you. They can jump out and beat you. They better take not, Toronto I'm seriously, game, but you know, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, they better take Toronto seriously because Toronto, um, they defend like crazy. That's going to be, that's going to be an interesting test because, um, you know, Chicago kind of dared them to, to drive the drive the lane more. Um, and it was the first game the Knicks took under uh, 33s all season long. Um, they went back to firing away against the Pelicans. They shot 33 threes, which um, is still below, you know, where they've been. So I, I think we see the, the three point frequency coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, it's as far as the league at large, uh, again, before, this doesn't factor in Sunday's games, but the Knicks are still eighth in three-point frequency. What uh, this, according to Cleaning the Glass, more important is their first in three-point accuracy, forty-one point eight percent, and that's by a comfortable margin over the second-place team, which is Charlotte at forty point two percent. Those are the only two teams in the league above forty percent. I, I really do feel like the three-point accuracy is is going to be a thing that stays high all year and it's really it's going to be more a matter of when when teams are are challenging them to beat them in other ways can the knicks figure out how to beat them in other ways and and it it would seem that so far so good because again the offensive rating is what it is even though it's early um are you are you like particularly worried about one of these games or you're just like it sounds like you're a little bit worried about toronto I am because I feel like if I go to the game, they'll probably lose and I'm going to the game. So I'm expecting a loss. So that's why I don't know if Siakam's back yet. Right. Is it the word is I'm assuming he's because he hasn't played yet this year. So he hasn't. They recalled him. I know from the nine Oh five team. Okay. It's a sort of thing where it doesn't always feel like players return and face the Knicks. So I'm fully expecting (laughs) Siakam to get his first reps in there and that'll be fun. Well, as of right this second, um, the latest on him, um, according to good old uh, ESPN.com, uh, uh, is that uh, he is still out. Um, so we'll we'll see. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to change. I mean, listen, whether he plays or not, they could they could still lose that game. If he plays, they could certainly still win that game. They should still win the game, regardless um, of whether he plays or not. So, but yeah, no, Toronto has also always seemed to play them tough over the years. Um, I know Lowry's not there anymore. Obviously, DeRozan's not there anymore, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, all right. I think we did this week, Justice. Hey, Andrew, what do you think? Do you think you're wrapping up? There, you haven't done as as nearly as many practices or minutes as I need you to do, John. Oh my God, I was about to do something and and uh, I don't want to feed into the bit. Uh, I'm gonna what? do it anyway. <laughs> so on on this week's uh, low post podcast, uh, Zach Lowe, <laughs> Jeremy. Oh yeah, when he was interviewing right. when he was interviewing Joakim Noah, you just reminded me of this. Uh, Joe Joakim Noah um, would like stand up to Tibbs and, um, and, and give him shit uh, occasionally. And, uh, I wonder, I wonder who's the player on the Knicks that like stand up to, to Tibbs now, if anybody, I don't know who that would be. I have I, one idea. Oh, although I don't know if it would necessarily be right now, but in uh Mir and Fader's article on oh, quick, oh, quickly, quickly he yeah. told Calipari, Calipari you know, yeah. we're not running that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Could be him, but I don't think so. Probably would be Taj, but in a subtle way, maybe. Yeah, this feels it feels much more of like a I don't know if, I don't know if camp counselor is the right way or like Mr. Feeney, like an old professor that you trust. Everything he says is correct type of way. Like there's no there's no Draymond on this team. They all look at Tibbs as this this magician that they look up to. To, to me, Taj is that that annoying kid at uh, at soccer practice who like will just keep. Like the I, there used to be a kid on my soccer team where it's like okay when he gets tired then we all stop and then he would just keep running, mm. yeah yeah that's that's Taj for me because Taj by the way shout out Taj Gibson we haven't mentioned his name once all week he's been awesome had a great game they they probably don't beat the Pelicans without him um, so yeah um, the word sorry. tired is not in our vocabulary by the way. Has he ever said? I don't think that's an actual quote. Does it sound like a Tibbs quote? It though? sounds like a Tibbs quote. It's not an actual Tibbs quote. I'm going to go out and love and say that. There right you now. go. Well, Tibbs, uh, okay. I'm in love with the shape of you. So, ah, I got. I that's got that. the one song that I knew. Okay. That, that before when we, were, I was referencing it. I knew. I know that song. Good. It's a good song. Yeah. Um. Anything from you, Andrew? Before we get out of here, none whatsoever. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Happy Halloween. And tune in if I could just give a shameless plug um, for my other show, Final Review. We may have a guest on this week's episode <laughs> that you're all familiar with. So tune in this week for as superhero week because Eternals comes out on Thursday. So Shit. yeah, tune in. Give me a fun. I completely. I, 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 that's that snuck up on me. I forgot that it was coming. If out you look at their. I, I don't want to put any expectations on. I'm excited to see and uh, to go back no, to I, the MCU. I'm, yeah, I am familiar with with uh, I am familiar with the the reviews early have, have not been. Yeah, the early word yeah. is not great, but yeah, I'm great. I'm intrigued. I'm still excited just to go back into that world. So we'll yeah. see. Same here, uh, Jeremy. Anything from you before we get out of here? I don't think so. I think I've said everything I need to say. Get out of here before I do a British accent. <laughs> no, no, no other song titles. I'll finish with where I'm at. You know. That's a that's a title. Yes, I think that's a title. No, it's not. Actually. Not okay. It's not <laughs> it sounded like one. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget uh, take an extra second, uh, give us a rating or a review. Uh, please subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Um, and of course, 
we are in the thick of the season. So you know what that means. Post-game live streams after every Nick game, uh, we start those right away. And if you do happen to miss one, you could always uh, check it out on your podcast feed, um, which uh, it's up pretty quickly because Andrew is a producer extraordinaire. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Jeremy. And of course, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you with more fun and games before you know it.